shit all over the place over here. Ah, uh, yeah. Mama bees. <coughs> 150? 150? What did you say? How did you know that? I zoomed in to 150. You said 150. Did I? Yeah. Okay, I must have said it subconsciously he then. He definitely didn't. I, Maybe I, you're a I telepath, was continuing dude. the Lion King song. Cody said 150. No, he, Cody didn't say shit until I, then. I think you might be a telepath, dude. Maybe I'm clairvoyant. Did you watch oh, Doctor shit. Sleep recently? No, I didn't see it yet. <clears throat> I haven't. Yet. I literally own it. I have yet to watch it. I, need I read to watch it. it. The book? Is the book good? Yeah. It's it's <laughs> middle of the road Stephen King. Let's okay. That. So, compared to The Shining, okay. Have you read The Shining? Yes, Cody. Okay. Hey, I didn't know. I know you're a Stephen King boy, but I didn't know. I re- I've read all the Steves. All of them. All of them. Even it. I've, of course, I've read it. Damn. Wait, Boring. how thick is The Shining? The Shining is. It's not bad. It's not bad. The thickest is The Stand. I think. Really. I think so. That's a fat book. I'm trying to watch all the movies. I have yet to watch the... Okay, I haven't watched The Stand. I haven't watched Salem's Lot, which I hear Salem's Lot's awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's good. The Stand is... Are you going to watch the miniseries? Wait, is there two? I think there's a movie and a miniseries. You should watch the miniseries. Okay. The movie's a a pile of... (laughs) It's garbage. Yeah. I did learn... um, Did you like Haunting of Hill House? On the Netflix, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... I learned that that's taken from a really old story, right? Yeah. And uh, apparently Stephen King adapted it in a movie called Rose Red. Really? You ever heard of this? Uh Uh-uh. Apparently there's like a 60s movie called The Haunting or A Haunting or something like that. That's all about it. Isn't it called The Haunting of Hill House because they made the house on Haunted Hill? I thought that was the thing. It's literally called The Haunting or A Haunting or something. It's uh, apparently pretty good, but I I was listening about it, and they have, like, all the kids' names, but they're not related in the movie. Wow. Interesting. Like, what are all the kids' names? Like, wasn't there, like, a Tess in, like, a fucking... Yeah, the sister was You know what I'm saying? Luke and all that. Uh, Oh, Nessie, right? No. Or something. I don't know. The one that killed herself. Oops. Was it? <laughs> the Ben Neck Lady. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming by now you should know that. I hope so. Yeah, apparently all the kids in the show are not related in the movie, but they have all the same names, which is really weird. I don't I don't know. It's I, I should watch it. Yeah, I guess so. I you know guess. What, you know what I've been way. into lately? Italian horror movies. Oh, you're yeah. in there, huh? Yeah, it's uh, Argento and... Uh, I can never pronounce this fucker's name right. I think it's Lucio Fulci. Lucio Fulci. You ever heard of him? Uh Uh-uh. He's, uh, he apparently makes, like, super gross horror movies. Did he make those zombie, Italian zombie movies? Yeah, He made, he made, uh, yeah, zombie. All right. Have you saw that one? Yeah, I've seen zombie. (laughs) I love when the zombie fights the shark. Yeah, that's funny. That's my favorite part in the movie. It's really funny. Listen, you're just drawing me in with a zombie fighting a shark. Dude, like. I, it, it's the first one. I've seen the first one. It, it's a good movie. It, cause I, from my understanding, they had, uh, Night of the Living Dead, right? Yep. And the Italians were then trying to copycat horror movies in America and he made zombie. 
I don't understand how they got a person to physically fight a shark yeah. in the movie. Yeah. I, I don't know how they good, did that. It's good casting. Yeah. <laughs> you know what movie with an underwater scene that I watched recently that I was shocked by? Harry Potter 4. Uh, do they have underwater scene? Yeah. Do yeah. they? The Goblet of Fire? Oh, yeah. He, like, doesn't he, like, eat something? And he then eats he, gillyweed. He, yeah, and then he can swim underwater. Mm-hmm. Breathe that, underwater. Wasn't Voldemort under the water, too? No, no. There what, was, what was fish it? people, mermaid people. Ah, yeah. okay. But anyway, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh. oh! I don't know how that man acted underwater in that costume for yeah. so long without dying. That's filmmaking, man. Yeah. That's a dedication to <laughs> yeah. your craft right there. And they had the little, like, fish flipper going mm-hmm. constantly with his mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he did it, but props to you, yeah. sir. Good for you, buddy. God damn, that hey, was impressive. That's a hard way to earn an easy living right there. I'm sure he didn't get paid much, probably, either. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, I don't know. How did Universal treat their uh, actors back in the 60s? I'm not sure. 50s, unless you 60s. were, Yeah, unless you were like Boris Carlyle, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't Karloff. Know. Karloff. He's awesome. He's definitely he awesome. Is. I mean, if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood taught me anything, they treat them decent <laughs> or that movie that well that is a fictional film what's so. the movie that uh it was like uh channing tatum's in it you mean with ben affleck's little brother casey affleck hey uh hollywood land no wait yeah what's no not la la land um <laughs> it's a movie where like channing tatum ends up being a soviet what? It's like a Coen Brothers movie. It's really strange, man. Uh, really the strange. producers? Uh-uh. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Springtime for Hitler in Germany. I'll think of it. Listen, I'll think of it. It's like, <laughs> it was a ridiculous movie, and it wasn't that good. I feel like the movie that comes to mind with him is uh, <clears throat> that one with Shia LaBeouf he's in, where they're like mobsters. Shia LaBeouf mobsters, huh? Isn't it, wasn't are, that are a you movie talking Channing Tatum? I think so. I was going to say Magic I, Mike is probably okay. the one that comes you, to most people's Wait, does mind. that have Shia in it? Are you thinking of Tom Hardy? Maybe it is Tom yeah, Hardy. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking of Tom Hardy. But uh, that's Shia and to, uh, Tom Hardy? Yeah, where they're brothers yeah. and they're like whiskey runners or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, that movie's good. You like that movie? It's no. pretty It's pretty good. No. Okay, well. It, it's a fun Adventure. I tell you what, on BTB, we're going to talk about the movie that you like and I do not like. So. Listen, I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> I know I've seen it like three times and I was it's like, probably, All right. You know what's a better Brothers movie? Four Brothers. Four Brothers is fantastic. Like, Four I, Brothers is I awesome. I love the fuck out of that movie. Rest in peace, Andre 3000. You He's not it. dead. <laughs> you got it. All well, right. his career is. Yeah, well, in the movie. And was Tyrese in that too? Yep. Oh yeah, Tyrese. Yeah. And then Mark Wahlberg's just there. Ugh. He's the brother. How do you I feel? Mean, it is dope when he's just kind of walking out on Lake Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, Wahlberg? I people hate him. He does some good stuff. Yeah, he's he, a great actor. I don't mind him, but he's also a scumbag <laughs> in real life. <laughs> yeah. Well, he beat that Vietnamese man. He did. And his eye fell out. Yeah, oh. with a cane. I yeah. thought that was just like a Boston thing. 
Yeah, that's a Boston thing. <laughs> you just <laughs> fight. You just beat. You just fight. You just man. beat homeless Listen, Vietnamese men until their eyes fall out. <laughs> you, you can't just roll into salty expecting the world. No. Hey, if he's you gonna lace curtain, motherfucker. If he's gonna claim that Entourage is like about him or whatever, yeah. he might not be a great guy. <sighs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode <laughs> of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about this week? It's me. It's Charles Lawrence Part Two. My Hell name yeah. is Adam. Sitting across from me, as always, is Cody. Hello. Hello. How was your week? <sighs> I'm sure you could tell how uh, busy it was and not fun in the least bit. You were dealing with a bit of insanity with <laughs> coming to work on the same car for four days. Oh, peeling off that uh, goddamn vinyl wrap, yeah. Don't wrap your cars. That's my message of the week. Stop uh, it. I had to keep my my meter kept rising. There was a couple days I didn't make it to noon this week because <laughs> I was fucking. I was about to burn the whole well, place down. Well, I know you remove like clear shields, right? And you like your fingertips get so raw. Yeah, I can only imagine four days of that. I couldn't even do it. My uh, my nails are like white in the middle <laughs> because they've been bent back, like like someone's oh. trying to shove bamboo shoots up them. I do not miss those days. Uh, that reminds me, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I always make make the mistake of cutting my nails too short. Definitely. Always do Definitely. it. I hate it. Yep. I hate it. I don't know how to, I need a lady to teach me how to cut my nails properly, I think. Uh, well, I get grossed out when they're like past <laughs> a certain point, so it's mm. like I purposely cut them super short, but then they're sensitive and angry. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Then the hangnails come in. Yep. See. My, my gauge is how dirty they start to get. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that dirt's not coming out. I have to cut it off mm-hmm. because I can't clean the dirt mm-hmm. out of See, it. what I've found is good is just... To just leave, like, a sliver of white on there. See, I would say those are too short still. That's too long for me. When you can see the outline in your skin from the previous nail, I think it's too short. No. I mean, that's how I feel. I, I don't know. I, I mean, see everyone's it. got their opinion. I Haven't you it. got a manicure before? Uh, no. Uh, that was me. You've got one before? Dude, straight up. I don't care how manly of a man yeah, you no, are. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. You get a it's pedicure and you get yourself a manicure that shit feels amazing yeah even when they're like pushing your cuticles back oh fuck yeah okay i bet they know how to do it dude (laughs) your hands feel so good afterwards and so do your feet like you know what i might have to be my my fellow men pamper yourselves i i have nothing against it at all because i'm saying if it makes you feel better do it who gives a shit yeah I've, i've never understood the like stereotype the who cares yeah. You're just getting your hands fixed. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean... Take care of your skin. Take yeah. care of your hands and your feet. Do things that make you feel good. Mm. That's right, Jordan. And that was Jordan that said that. And here he is. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Adam. How was your week? Uh, my week was pretty gosh darn good. You Ooh. saw a picture of your baby? I did. I finally went to an ultrasound, uh, and it was wild in a very good way. And it's a, it's got a big old hanger. Uh, probably bigger than mine right, <laughs> right. now. You saw the penis said, it, "Oh, it takes after the wife." Oh yeah. <laughs> no, because like it was, it was yesterday was the ultrasound, and like you know, we went in, knew we were having a boy mm. and whatnot, mm. and the uh, nurse, doctor, ultrasound technician, whatever their title is, that was given, it was like. Oh, are we finding out gender today? And Amy's like, no, we already know we're having a boy. And, like, she starts it in, like, five minutes in. She's like, gets to a shot where it's kind of like, 
from the back between the legs, and she's like, oh yeah, you're definitely having a boy, and Amy's just like, good for him. (laughs) Are you ready to face the inevitable inevitable fate when you have to, when your boy's penis is bigger than your dad penis, and you're gonna have to face that, like they did on Family Guy, what are you gonna, how are you gonna handle that? I mean, first off, (laughs) after the kid's out of diapers, I ain't trying to look at his dick. I don't know if that's true, Jordan. What if you, what if, uh, what if uh, you join, uh, what if you get super into sauning as a family? Well, wear towels. Oh, go okay. Oh, they're going oh, Polish like style. Yeah. They're going Polish oh, style. Okay. Okay. Listen, man, I don't want to see my kid naked. I don't want my kid to see me <laughs> naked. Listen, you're gonna have to take father's shower or father son showers. It's go stand before your father nude as the day you came out of your mother. Mm. Okay, and that's the most liberating feeling in, you can in have. Fact, have you done that, Adam? This isn't about me. <laughs> it's about you, Jordan. In fact. After this show, you go, you return to your father's house and ask to take a shower with him. Yeah. Shower with your father. (laughs) Become the father your father never was for you. Show me how to hold my son, Dad. Show show me how to bathe properly, Father. (laughs) All right. Let's hop into Lazarus Part 2. Let's do it. Charles Lawrence Part 2. Hell yeah. Here we go. Things were going so well for Charles Lazarus Lawrence. When the South departed the Union, everything changed. Abraham Lincoln and the newly empowered Republicans distrusted Charlie because he was a member of a prominent Democratic family. He had ties to slavery, professionally and personally. What do they call these? The Dixiecrats? The Dixiecrats. Those, yep. yep, that's absolutely correct. Hey, yeah. He had, after all, been doing business in Cuba and New Orleans, huge slave hubs, and Charlie's sisters, Emily and Rose, lived in Virginia with Rose's husband, George H. Davis. George Davis had hired a substitute to fight for him in the infantry, but the family owned slaves. (laughs) Wait, you can do that? Absolutely. You could even do that in Vietnam. You could pay someone to go for you. Yep. And if we ever... <laughs> poor man's... A... Rich man's war, poor man's fight. I think that was okay. one of the slogans. Listen, yeah. if we ever have a draft again, I'm just going to find uh, someone standing at an intersection and be like, I'll give you $200 to go to war for me. That's yeah. not enough. Here's, yeah, I don't that know if that'll do it. not enough at I all. will treat them to... A night on the town. You you want a hundred dollar steak? You got it. You're th- gonna go die in my place. <clears throat> I think you should offer to shower with them. Yeah. Show them how to bathe properly. Yes, that's what's been missing the whole time. <laughs> and then you don't have to go to war. I will teach you my dad's wisdom of mm-hmm. showering mm-hmm. properly. You shower see this? <laughs> this is Irish Spring. <laughs> it's the most cleansing of soaps. <laughs> Charlie's in-laws sought to establish loyalty to the Union. Zip's brother, Jacob, accepted a commission as a captain with the 2nd Minnesota Volunteers. Shout out. Who fought a bloody campaign across Kentucky. Hell yeah. Mm. Doing us proud. At only 27 years old, Lazarus was still young enough for service, but he instead accepted that consulate position in Brazil (laughs) we talked about in episode one. Okay, I want to be a consulate in Brazil for sure. The new minister to the Empire of Brazil was named James Watson Webb. Webb had the authority to take independent action on behalf of the United States and was also the editor of the New York Courier and Inquirer. 
So he's kind of important. He's uh he's uh he's <laughs> he's a pompous full of himself asshole as we well, find out. He has three names. So. Yes, 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 he he's does. He's going to be. And he has the ability to twist anything he does into a good thing with mm. the courier and inquiry. This is uh this is yellow journal yellow journalism right now. Definitely. Tall, handsome, well-dressed and with a sick ass beard, Webb was a vain pompous prick. Sounds like me about a year and a half ago. (laughs) In his youth, he was a peacetime army officer, always bitter about being denied his chance at glory in combat. Becoming a newspaper editor, Webb slaked his thirst for blood by challenging rivals to duels. Hey, sometimes he could do more damage that way. Oh, yeah. By all accounts, Webb ran through several fortunes seeking higher offices than his hypersensitive, pompous little brain could ever achieve. (laughs) In 1856, Webb abandoned his support for slavery to cash all his chips in with the abolitionists and the Republican Party. In 1860, Webb used his newspaper to push Lincoln. From there, it was a never-ending road of ass-kissing to the president, including when Webb offered his home to the president for the funeral of their mutual friend, one Senator Edward Baker. <sighs> we lost a good one there with Edwin Baker. Edward oh. Baker. R.I.P. in peace, Ed Baker. So... Did he he helped basically get Lincoln elected? Mm-hmm. Okay, he I basically want... used his newspaper as a stump for for Lincoln to, to stand him. on. Yeah. Okay, newspapers can't really do that. I mean, can't really do yeah. that officially. Nowadays. Yeah. yeah, I mean, printed media is dead. I think all things on paper should be dead. Yeah. Let's let the trees be. I know. Bring back work, weekly world news. That's all I want. Yeah. Yes, I want to hear what Moth Boy or Bat Boy. Bat Boy. What's I mean, Bat Boy up to nowadays? I feel like the Chinese people ate him. <laughs> well, Bat Boy started coronavirus. You heard it here first. They probably did. He was the most succulent cup of bat soup they've ever had. In their life. Bat soup. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my mom, and she's like, I bet them dirty Iowan hogs. Started the coronavirus. That's what she was telling me. Well, she is hog racist. She is. She she knows about the disgusting hog farms in Iowa. She says it's those pigs that have started the coronavirus. So shout out Iowa. Yeah, and infected (laughs) all the groundwater, right? Because their shit and corpses are just spread about the land. (laughs) Basic. Don't drink Iowa water. Don't do it. No. Just, Otherwise, you'll end up like Cody. Yeah, I was a scary place. I know that every exit when you drive through has like a Sitco and a Subway, and that's about it. I mean, I, the only redeeming factor of Iowa is Diamond Joe Casino. Yep, right across the what board. What about Toppling Goliath right here? I mean, that is Drinking good. Drinking it right here. But uh, Diamond Joe has a sports book. <sighs> we started off the, uh, what do they call it, the caucus? Yes, the Iowa caucus. Yeah, that turned into a clusterfuck. The Iowa cluster. Uh, We might get into that in BTB. Okay, all right, we'll save it for that. Yeah. In 1861, Webb had hung around Lincoln's nuts long enough (laughs) that he was able to get a meeting with Lincoln's Secretary of State, William Seward. Charlie begged Seward to name him the ambassador to England, but Webb severely overrated himself. Many, many genius men wanted that appointment. Hmm. Webb instead received nomination to Brazil, where he had zero friends and didn't know a single word of Portuguese. Sounds uh, equipped for the job. He's right. <laughs> He's got this. <laughs> In Webb's extreme disappointment at what he felt was a posting beneath him, he failed to realize how vital this actually was. 
Before the Panama Canal was constructed, ports like Rio were essential stops for merchantmen on the way to the Pacific for resupply. I mean, they got to go all the way around that continent. Yep. So. There's no fucking... I, I learned that the hard way in Hearts of Iron 4. If I, you blow up the Panama Canal... Panama Canal, you got to go all the way around South America. I I feel like I'm starting to feel why he likes this now. Mm, The Panama Canal is... uh, Hey, can I interject with a smuggler joke that I looked up prior to the show? I don't see why you shouldn't do that. (laughs) I was like... I wonder if there's such a thing as a smuggler joke. I mean, we could try and stop him, but I don't think we're going to be able to. Hold on. What do you call a Mexican intergalactic smuggler? Juan Solo. Yeah, he got it. Juan Solo. Juan Solo. Okay, that's great. I love that. Fuck off, Cody. <laughs> I was These th- are all dad jokes. So <laughs> just got to throw them in there. Well, do you have a bunch? Yeah. Well, okay, perfect, because there's a spot where I'm going to need them. Okay, perfect. Charlie's opportunity to secure a posting came when Webb fired the Secretary of Legation... Reverend James Cooley Fletcher, an expert on Brazil, missionary and naturalist. Throughout Webb's life, he remained incredibly vain and status conscious. What was the reason Webb ran Fletcher, the perfect candidate for the job, out of office, you may ask? Well, he was concerned about rumors that Fletcher had been cucked by a prior ambassador. Whoa! Oh, shit. He let him... Okay, generally cucking is like they want that to happen. No. No, that's no, he porno. Didn't want him. Yeah, that's porno okay. is when they want <laughs> Yeah. Actual Wait. cucking is when you, okay. your wife's going behind your back. I thought that was back. a fetish. Yeah, yes. A lot of but, things but are the, fetishes. But I'm saying like the the cheating spouse fetish. The original considered... form of cucking is <sighs> okay. your wife cheating on you. Yes, I know, but it's like they want it to happen, right? No, no. that's porno, no. Cody. Okay, okay, that's the okay. fetish part. Gotcha, okay. I, I'm getting in here. Okay. Jeez, the original <laughs> form is not a fetish. It's a, <laughs> it's something you don't want to happen yeah. to you. Hey, it's a sad thing. Okay, since Jordan is apparently the Pornhub expert over right, here. Right, right. Pornhub ex- Jordan. Can you explain to me the incest porn thing then? Can you tell me about I that? I have no idea about incest <laughs> porn. About Listen, uh, Papa Fox and you're... Son Fox <laughs> bathing, <laughs> bathing instructions. Papa Fox and not his Son Fox. <laughs> the ultimate children's book. <laughs> oh, my God. Charlie was, on paper, a fantastic replacement. He was charming, fluent, and familiar with local expats. There was only one glaring problem, according to Webb. He was just a Jew, and his social position is not what it should be. Charles Lazarus was given the horrifying position of temporary secretary, which is actually my favorite Paul McCartney song. Look that up on your own time. (laughs) If you believe Paul's real. No, this was when he was real. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, but did he ever exist? Now that's the real question. (laughs) Who's the safety guy at work? The safety. Oh, Steve I feel Porter. Like, yeah, I feel like he has a lot of temporary secondary. Oh yeah, hotties too. <laughs> yes. Steve Porter is still there, huh? Well, he's oh, like the yeah. king, the king of Walzer. Oh, oh yeah. God. Lazarus worked in legation until December 1861, when Webb was able to find a Protestant to do the job. Mm. Charlie displayed no resentment upon leaving the embassy in Rio. He opened an importing business with a man named Marcos Wheel in a town called Petropolis, just north of Rio. 
Sounds like a nice place. To advance the firm, Charlie flattered his former boss, Minister Webb, and his wife. <laughs> in 1862, he wrote, I take this opportunity to thank you for your many kindnesses and the hospitality received at your hands and Mrs. Webb. I beg the opportunity to reciprocate whenever you or your lovely wife feel the need arise. So he's kind of smoothing, smoothing everything out. No hard feelings okay. that you fired me because I'm a Jew. Okay. This worked extremely well. Lazarus was named Webb's attache and was granted a <laughs> diplomatic passport, which basically made travel between Paris, Rio, London, and New York the easiest thing you can think of. Ah, he, I see Just now. kind of walk in there, show it, and be like, fuck out of my way. Diplomatic immunity, bitch. He's, he's smart. Hell he's yeah. very smart. Hell yes. Charlie immediately angered Brazilian officials. <laughs> Foreign diplomats were allowed to import goods for their own use without paying local taxes. As you can imagine, Charlie and other like-minded diplomats imported way more than they needed <laughs> and sold the rest at pure profit. Capitalism, baby. Mm. What What was Brazil like? Do you know in like 1860? Was it like... They were a burgeoning were little they? country. Okay. Yes, like a lot of international trade because that's where the ports were. Mm. In the Rio... You know okay. what I mean? I feel like a lot of Americans now, we hear Brazil and we immediately think of, like, the drug cartel. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, Pablo and yeah. all of well, that. Pablo's uh, Colombian. But I, I'm pretty sure he is uh, smuggling ring. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. All Brazil the way. And all all of that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was kind of curious what South America was like back in... 1860. You never really, I never really think about that, to be honest. No. So. It's just a port, you know, like a port town. So yeah. unless you're a merchantman, you're probably not spending too so much Jack time. So Jack Sparrow yeah. probably would have came here. I bet you, because he was in <laughs> okay. Singapore and all yeah. those other places. Hell yeah. Singapore was dangerous in that movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <sighs> On November 3rd, 1862, a Brazilian customs inspector wrote Webb that his attache's <laughs> new importing business Whale and Lazarus had tried to import 40 cases of candles from Havre, <laughs> free of duty, by claiming the goods belonged to Webb. Were the candles worth a lot or what? Ooh, I don't know. I have no idea why that. Maybe they could just sell them at a pure profit or something. I wonder if they're like the nunchuck candles. It's like the, remember in the last episode when his buddy in London was like, mm. hey, I got this, I got these 10,000 muskets I need you to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's one of those situations. So, so Charlie, he'll just buy anything or like he'll, he'll smuggle anything. He loves the almighty dollar. Okay. Yes. He'll, he'll do whatever it, it takes. doesn't matter what it is. I don't think so. Okay. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure he was... They skip over it a lot in the book, which I will tell you the name of right now. Contraband. Contraband. <laughs> okay. A history of American smuggling. It's Ooh, fucking really? great. Yeah, That's it's sweet. fucking great. Fuck yeah. They talk about not really having records for what he was doing during the war, except for blockade running uh, weapons to the south, mm. which is kind of fucked up. We'll talk about that a little <laughs> more later. But they, they think maybe he might have been uh, transporting slaves as well during that time. Okay, Charlie. Come on. You it's can't rough. do that. It's rough. Almighty dollar, right? Yeah. Yep. I, w I was on board, Charlie, with just like I know. goods. And then you hear people. It's like, okay, Charlie. There's so many times where this it's... This is an Amistad. There's so many times where I'm like, oof, Amistad. What a, <laughs> what a hard movie. <laughs> yes. 
there are a lot of times it's a roller coaster. I'm like, I freaking love this guy, and then it's like, ah, oh, you bastard. Mm. That's how I felt about Ponzi, kind of. Yep. Too. Yeah. And Soapy and yep. all those guys. <laughs> you know, I think at heart they're good people. Yeah. As long as they don't kill. Make, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just trying to do uh to do right by theirs. That's mm. right. I entertain the suspicion that your respectable <laughs> name has been involved in this matter without the knowledge of that gentleman or your consent. This led Webb to immediately dispose of Charlie as his attaché, and Charlie to dissolve his new import business. Webb began a campaign against our hero to get him punished to the full extent of the Brazilian law, but Charlie was able to convince Brazilian authorities that it was his young dispatcher that had accidentally imported the candles. So this is like a uh, chain of blaming. Oh, yeah. Shit shit rolls downhill. Jesus. The dispatcher was punished and jailed for the crime while Charlie sailed free. Okay, Charlie, you're getting... That's like two notches on you right now. Mm -hmm. I like that. Can I hear a couple of those uh, uh, smuggling jokes? Yes. We're going to change the scene a little bit. Uh, We're going to move on to Charlie's next uh, point in life, and I want a little little break. Okay. Smugglers have begun hiding drugs in the soles of their shoes. You shouldn't trust them. They're probably laced. Oh, <laughs> all right, Jordan, smartass. <laughs> what happens when a donkey smuggler is chased by the cops? What happens? He makes an ass of himself. Yeah, that. They haul ass. Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> what do you call an intergalactic smuggler with a masturbation addiction? Um, <laughs> Matt, I don't know. Jack off to the future. Juan Solo. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, are you saying Han likes, or Juan likes to jerk off a lot? Yeah. Juan's well, this is Hand Solo. Oh, my uh, God. Man, these are, oof. These What's our next the, one? Um, let me see. I know there's a good one. How much cocaine can a smuggler sneak into prison? An ass load. Oh, yeah. He's close. A butt load. Hey, I'm going to say ass load. <laughs> uh, hey, judges, they're going to take that. Yeah. The judges are going to take that. They're going to take that. Howard yeah. Mandel allows it. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, we'll, shot, we'll do this one for the ladies. All right. Last one for the ladies. A girl I know got collagen injections in her butt. Mm. Now she looks like a smuggler's desk. She's got a false bottom in her drawers. That's fantastic. (laughs) That's really good. That's really good. People of the world, we need to work on our smuggler humor, please. Somebody put together. Listen, we're going to take a quick break while I go hang myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a joke I always say with Brad, that guy who's like the fix-it-all guy at work. I'm like, uh, he's here constructing two titanium nooses for us, Brad. So <laughs> Del- deliverance has finally came for us. Freedom is upon us, my friend. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that short break. Here we are back to the actuals. Feeling battered and once again looking to put his business roots somewhere, Lazarus left Rio for Paris in 1863. There, in cooperation with a Brazilian merchant named Alphonse Gatto, mm. Charlie exported French goods to South America. Ooh. Like all business relationships, at some point, this one soured, and Lazarus was forced to beat a hasty retreat to London, 
along with Zip and his three boys, Walter, Percy, and newborn little Lionel. Okay. Why, why is newborn Lionel in this? <laughs> He's Ultimate a child. Smug- he doesn't know what he's doing. Ultimate oh. smuggler. Yeah, he's the worst. His diaper's full of... He's got a <laughs> false bottom in his diaper. He's got French silk <laughs> diapers yeah. that they're going to put on. Yes! See? He's smuggling in the silk in his so poop. So, is little newborn Lionel Charlie's kid, or is he just a baby? Yeah, he's little Charlie and Zip's okay, baby. Okay, I was like, is he just have a random baby he's carrying just a, around? Just a hang-along baby. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to learn the fucking ropes. <laughs> Charlie's brother-in-law, Robert Noah, was less than 30 and a veteran of both the U.S. Navy and the British Army. Wow. He chose not to re-enlist to fight for the Union in the Civil War and instead took up the director position at Leicester Square Music Hall while exporting goods to Brazil with Charlie as a side hustle. So did he learn... Okay, are you talking about like a orchestra director? That's just right. Like uh, a, oh, not conductor, no. No. Director, he, he would like book the gigs. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 So yes, if yes. Druid wanted to play here, at he Leicester would Square. have to talk to this man. Absolutely. He would have to okay. talk to Bobby Noah. <laughs> His little business, after one year, found itself 56,000 pounds in debt, roughly $6.5 million today. Jesus, okay. You see, Robert had a problem with racehorses, and his business partners had a problem with the stock market. But their biggest failure was a specialty import business, which lost $2 million of adjusted money today. (laughs) Trying to trade in wacky objects like swords, guns and powder, screws, sugars, cement, and calfskin. I mean that's a that's a varied selection. Mm. Well, I mean I'm assuming calfskin <laughs> means leather, yeah. right? Like fine leather, right? I yeah, mean, but you know. still, like, all right, I've got my okay. Now it all kind of makes sense. You can, you can't have two gamblers together. You just mm. can't do. It. You can't do mm. racehorses and stocks. <laughs> yeah. it's a bad combo. Don't bet on horses. It's Please. you're not gonna win. Please. They're well, I don't know about in this time, but like today it's so confusing. Mm-hmm. You're basically just giving them your money. Basically. And I'm <laughs> sure they were fixed back in the day too. Mm-hmm. If Peaky Blinders has taught me anything. <laughs> <laughs> How did they stop the horses from going so fast? How do they fix them? Are uh, they just the, told the jockey to slow down? I think so. I well, think all so. of their uh, wacky objects they traded <laughs> helped with that. <laughs> Swords, guns, and Someone hit through. underneath calf skin <laughs> with a sword. <laughs> and cut the le- horse's legs off? Yeah, they're that, Achilles. That they cut the thing that them. launched the screws to ignite the gunpowder to shoot the cement at them. Now I've it's, never heard him be this creative before. And he used every <laughs> uh, every implement except of the, the wacky sugars. Object. To well, be honest, they, they used the sugars to you, make sure they were uh, real hyped hey, up and dialed you, in. You use all of these objects at work on a daily basis. You do, so. you do. I I use one of those, well, two of those objects at work on a daily basis. Well, sugars. I'm sure you have some in sort of coffee, alcohol based Dr. Pepper. Thing. Uh, I'm sure you have leather. Drinks. I'm sure you wear leather. You probably have leather Actually, boots. yeah, my tool bag is, or tool belt is leather. I'm sure guns and powder, you probably attempted to assassinate your boss a few times. At some point. I have not. <laughs> and everyone carries a sword. Hell yeah. I mean, yeah. His sword is probably like a uh, See, level. I or mean, something. I I don't draw my sword, though, because once it's out, it can't be put back in mm. until it tastes blood. No. 
pop a fox of on him that in the shower. That's right. Never pull yeah. your sword out unless you're going to use it. That's right. <laughs> At least $500,000 inflated was spent on adventures to the Confederate States. Mm. And the brothers-in-law took up gun running to the Confederates. Sounds like a much better movie than Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> They were never officially charged with treason, but they would be marked in the public eye to those with a keen memory. So many of their sons were dying on the battlefield as Charles was running the guns to their children's butchers. When the war finally ended, Charlie took out an advertisement in the New York Herald announcing his name change from Charles Lazarus to Charles Lawrence. Did you have to do that? He's, he's, he loves being a, a celebrity. I feel know? like that'd be like Amy taking out an ad in newspaper. I'm no longer Amy Nord. I'm now Amy Fox. Thank you. Well, she should, Cody. She I should. think so. She should. In the article, he claimed his rich, crazy Uncle Samuel had offered him a legacy-sized fortune if he were to finally drop Lazarus and join the rest of the family. Oh, hey, yeah. listen here, you fucking nerds. I'm going to shit ton of money for changing my name. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Sam. <laughs> of course we know he had other reasons to do this. The name Lawrence was not recognizable as Jewish upon hearing. And a new name could only help him escape allegations lodged against him in Brazil, <laughs> Paris, London... All the creditors in the U.S. and all those who would call him a traitor. <laughs> Where else can you go at this point? Someone's going to find him and be like, Charles Lazarus? No, man. I get fucking late. I'm Charles Lawrence. <laughs> Charles Lazarus doesn't get pussy. Uh-uh. Charles Lawrence gets pussy. Charles I promise Lawrence you that much. He's a Chad. <laughs> Charlie seemed to float through the harbor on his own oats upon his return to New York. He had managed to avoid both military service and a South American prison. (laughs) By July, he was back, baby. And he went to an exclusive gala benefiting the victims of a fire at P.T. Barnum's museum. (laughs) Not P.T. Barnum. He's great, man. (laughs) Most of the dramatic artists in the city were milling about and putting on a show. This was the rebirth and coming out party of the newly minted, hopefully forgotten about, (laughs) Charles Lawrence. Mm. Mr. Lawrence hit the ground running. He produced The Devil's Auction, which was a runaway Broadway success, selling out five shows a day for over a month. Holy fuck. Was this a play? It was a ballet. Oh, a ballet. Mm. Okay. It sounds cool. It was such a hit that after three weeks, Charles doubled down and imported the most famous ballerina in the world at the time, Italian sensation <laughs> Giuseppina Morlocchi, insuring her legs for one hundred thousand yeah. dollars. You, you have Jesus. to insure the legs. The first time I ever oh, heard that... about that is when J Lo insured her ass back in the day. <laughs> she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Someone's gonna like slice it off or what? Like damage her? You ass? never know. It's it's like part of her livelihood. Her livelihood was based on her booty at the time, so. I don't know what part of my body would be worth insuring. Nothing. At yeah, all. I was going to say, nothing. Uh, the only thing with you would be your knowledge of how to take a shower properly. <laughs> Daddy Fox. You better insure that, that brain of yours. That, that small portion of my brain. <laughs> you might have, like, uh, what's that Stephen King movie about the alien uh, with uh, yeah, Dreamcatcher? Alien. 
A dream catcher, yeah. You'll have that little secret room in your head with your mm-hmm. box of <laughs> Papa Fox's shower knowledge. <laughs> a month later, however, ticket sales began to decline. The director stopped paying his actors, causing the stars to walk out, and eventually the production was closed. You gotta pay him, Charles. Mm-hmm. This failure didn't affect Charles very much. Although he was incredibly proud of the show, he was grinding away all over the place. He was publishing books, importing goods, patenting a process for making rubber floor mats, and when his mother-in-law died in June of 1866, he inherited a share of several valuable properties, including the family mansion and his very own newspaper, the Sunday Times and Noah's Weekly Messenger. Oh, shit. When I was thinking about rubber floor mats, I was thinking of, I can't think of that brand. WeatherTech. WeatherTech. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking, too. <laughs> the company with the worst fucking billboards I've ever seen in my life. And commercials. I, and hate, com- I oh. hate it. Each Stop car it. is laser measured for Stop floor it. mat accuracy. It's like, no, you got the specifications from the manufacturer. <laughs> you didn't fucking laser measure shit. They're nice floor mats, but they're not that nice. They okay. are that nice, though, because they yeah. will protect your fucking carpet. Yeah, they're yeah, like, I was going to say, their advertising sucks, but the product is fucking they're fantastic. They're like $500 yeah. for a fucking Yeah, product. there's a reason for that. Yeah. They're pretty flawless. Yeah. They're a Minnesota company, too. There is a reason for that, because they have laser cutting technology. That's <laughs> laser measuring tech. <laughs> oh, and they're a little phone holder that cup goes phone. in. Yeah, cup phone. <laughs> cup phone. <laughs> Here's a holder that fits in your cup holder. The cup phone. The last cup phone you'll ever need. Charlie also became a professional snitch. Mm. Oh, just like Takashi 69 Oh, oh deep cut. This hurts me. I liked him pretty much all the way until I read this. In February 1868, he learned a man was looking for a loan, offering questionable bonds as collateral. Pretending to be interested... Lawrence took the meeting only to turn in the dealer and for the reward. Uh, I mean, are you surprised? He basically threw that dispatcher under a uh, donkey carriage in Brazil. So, I mean, what are you going to do? From his booth where he brokered imports and Broadway tickets, Charles became the entertainment magnate of New York (laughs) by making connections with respected foreign music promoters and getting the exclusive rights to sell tickets for Charles Dickens' celebrated 1867-68 1867-68 tour of New York City. Ooh. Hey, this is, I mean, that's respectable. That's upper crust, yeah. man. How the hell did he pull that off? <laughs> He's a little skis. He's a little con man skis. I was half, like, after he said his ballet, I was failing. I was half expecting him to put on a ballet outfit and start just going on stage <laughs> and dancing himself. <laughs> like, fine, if yeah. you don't work here, I'll do it myself. <laughs> I'll do it my goddamn I'll show self. you how to do a goddamn pirouette. <laughs> <laughs> and one, and two, and three, and skip. <laughs> In the summer of 1868, Zipporah's fourth pregnancy combined with old debts to make Charlie's finances tight. He decided it was time to put his pride aside for a little bit and seek a position at the Port of New York. His experience as a broker, familiarity with foreign markets, and his knowledge of Spanish, Portuguese, French, and Hebrew made him one of the most qualified applicants. So he did not get it because they'd have to pay him too much. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of wondering, like, are you considered a piece of shit if you don't have at least four kids during this time? I think so. Isn't that the thing? You get married by the time you're 20. I I understand, like, you had to have as many kids as possible to do, like, the numbers game and hoping, like, at least 60% of them survive, but Mm -hmm. goddamn. 
Of course, in order to receive such a well-respected position, he would need the help of his famous and influential in-laws, which he had no shortage. Mm. Zip's brother, Manuel, edited the San Francisco paper Alta California, (laughs) which regularly ran pro-Republican stump articles for the state senators. It was this connection that secured Charlie an inspectorship where he would earn $4 a day, plus paltry bounties, which were collected when you caught smugglers and they had extra money and stuff on board that was undeclared. So he was a rat to smugglers. Mm Mm-hmm. Even All while learning was... <laughs> the trade. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So his job was to inspect cargo and find undeclared items. And things that were undeclared were then possessed by the state and the treasurers, the treasury agents, that's what they were called at the mm. time. They were given a paltry sum of the of a percentage. So it was in their best interest to turn in smugglers. Okay. Uh. I wonder, do you know what the equivalent to $4 a day was back then? I was just going to ask that. Yeah, I assume it's probably like 50 bucks, probably, somewhere around there. I would say more than that. Well, it turns out that's about minimum wage. (laughs) (laughs) Poor pastor. Lawrence's boss at the port was surveyor Abram Wakeman. An affable, insinuating, and pleasant, though not profound, attorney. (laughs) A little shady? Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) Wait. Wakeman was a ride-or-die President Andrew Johnson fanatic, which should have made him hate a Tammany Democrat like Charles Lawrence. But the two got on swimmingly. Maybe he didn't tell them. Oh, they knew. Oh, he knew. Oh, Charlie is an upper-crust Tammany boy. Like, everybody knows who Charlie is at this point. Maybe it's like the Boardwalk Empire-type relationship where they're like... Frenemies? Friends, but they're still talking shit about each other, but they're still just caring about making money together. Yeah. Maybe it's that type of relationship. Quickly, Charlie moved up the ranks in Wakeman's eyes, joining his so-called Flying Brigade, noted for their aggressive pursuit of contraband, (laughs) and receiving that paltry percentage of stolen undeclared money while the customs house kept the rest. Mm. Lawrence earned far less of a percentage than his boss, who took in over $100,000 a year in bonus money, but he caught several offenders nonetheless. Mostly small-timers carrying smuggled pocket knives, <laughs> macaroni, nutmeg, watches, or a couple hundred bucks worth of brandy. I could see macaroni being a hot ticket <laughs> item, oh, yeah. if I'm being honest. When we, especially when we were talking about Soapy. He spent yeah. a lot of time in Canada importing. No, that was Ponzi, right? Was Ponzi. Yeah. Right. He had his uh, yeah. macaroni factory and like right. some fish factory or Mixed something. Mix that with some cheese. You got a treat, boy. Yummy. Yeah, somebody else has to smuggle the cheese, though. <laughs> That's too hot for one. Uh, it's a federal offense if you're caught with remember, macaroni and okay, cheese. Okay, so we had Ponzi who got charged with stolen cheese right and then we had that demolition serial killer who was right. the cheese factory guy right. yep. so holy shit yeah. it's Harry all coming Orchard, full the circle. Yes. i forgot about him that's he, a good episode he's quite a character <laughs> go back and listen hey i've seen the numbers for harry orchard the dynamite man go back and listen to that mm, one Phil's that's a good on one. That one i remember is he really yeah that's a really good one that was a good one Lawrence's brief yet unfulfilling time in the Flying Brigade ended with the 1868 election of Republican candidate Ulysses S. Grant. Son of a bitch. The new administration removed Wakeman as surveyor and fired Lawrence outright, charging him with stealing several pairs of goatskin gloves (laughs) by hiding them in his boots. What were we talking about? The soles of his shoes? Wasn't that the first joke? I bet... 
those are quite warm. Oh, yeah, sure. Actually. Sure. Put some goatskin gloves in your <laughs> shoes. You'll be warm as hell. I keep thinking about my partner who went to the, uh, God, it's the glove and safety store. In it's West right, St. Paul? Yeah, it's right yeah. next to Target. Yeah. Oh, Buying yeah. Like, some super expensive pair of gloves yeah. there. <laughs> Go buy like a pair of Carhartt gloves that are like 15 bucks at Fleet Farm mm-hmm. for like 40 bucks mm-hmm. there. Here's what you should say, Jordan. Listen, hipsters, I know the alpaca gloves are hot right now. Let's move back to goat skin gloves. Let's get back to goat skins. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. Jordan, put that out to your hipsters, okay? Go buy the goddamn goat skins. <laughs> Facing absolute financial collapse, Charlie won reinstatement by petitioning his rich and influential friends. As punishment, though, he was forced to work in the barge house. Ooh, it doesn't sound good. Charlie? The most dilapidated and repulsive of any public edifice in any Christian country <laughs> under the sun. Did he have to put Christian country in there? Like, was that necessary? Well, I'm sure. I'm sure he's seen some uh, some Muslim countries, some Islamic uh, countries that maybe were a little more gross, maybe, yeah. or Chinese or whatever. Hindu. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, it would rock violently each time a wave got within 100 feet. Oof. Tiring of his assignment checking in barges, Charlie began hanging around the surveyor's headquarters, where he received a true education in the smuggling way. He heard all the stories, including that of the Geterman brothers, (laughs) importers who conspired to declare cases of silk as buttons and other lightly taxed objects, all the while bribing a customs agent to pretend to be suspicious and go over the shipment with a fine-tooth comb. Mm, So, so the whole thing of this is that you're smuggling items that are taxed or you're smuggling items that are taxed higher than items that are taxed lower so silk is taxed really high way higher than buttons do we i don't really know about current day but isn't it like a flat rate for importing stuff no luxury items are still tariff and and that's the whole uh chinese problem we're having right now is over our trade deal in china okay Okay, that makes sense then. The Giederman brothers avoided prison by negotiating a compromise in which they would pay fines totaling 33000 or 500000 today. How much fucking money did they have? I don't know. It's like everybody that they talk about on here is like, oh, you owe $6 million. You stole $7 million. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> we just bought Alaska for $7 million. Lawrence also witnessed the arrest of Isidore Wolf and Myrtle May, who had smuggled 500000 worth of silk in with the help of... A deputy collector who was so affected by drink <laughs> that he hardly <laughs> ever knew what he was on about, and always did as anyone requested. So he was a drunk, and yeah. you, could, uh, you could force him to do whatever he I, wanted. I feel like we talked about this in the first part, where, like, in this time... You really had to be a drunk to be oh, yeah. a, a drunk. To uh-huh. be a drunk, yeah. yes. Okay. In 1870, an inspector accused Charlie of smuggling cases of brandy, but his superiors declined to look into it. A couple of cases of brandy was worth how well of a job he was doing at an awful, awful assignment. Mm. On April 13th, 1870, Special Treasury Agent Newton Martin Curtis <laughs> obtained a warrant... <laughs> For Lawrence's arrest, charging that he had smuggled four trunks containing velvet and silk ribbons from Canada into the U.S. with the help of the Grand Trunk Railway Baggage Master. Damn, that's my dream job now. Grand Trunk Railway Baggage Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for work, sir? 
I'm the Grand Trunk <laughs> Railway Baggage Master. Thank you very much. You want your shit to get there? You fucking talk to me. <laughs> you thought fucking Delta was a nightmare? Just wait till uh, you get old. I get old of you, bitch. <laughs> Cross me and see what's yeah. up. An imposing figure, well over six feet, with an enormous beard and built proportionally, mm. Special Agent Curtis had served with distinction at the first bull run, Antietam, Fort Fisher, <laughs> and second bull run, where he had traded his left eye for the Congressional Medal of Honor. Okay, so this guy's a good guy. He's a, he's a union man. Thank you, Mr. Curtis. Thank you for your, because those are hard battles. Oh, yeah. Both the bull runs and Antietam, those are hard. I don't know much about Fort Fisher, though. I I do you know how he lost his eye? Like I can't imagine he took a bullet in it. Might have or shrapnel. He might have gotten yeah. stabbed with a bayonet. Piece of wood went in there. Yeah. Maybe uh tripped over a sticking up uh root he, and there was just an oddly placed other root. Maybe, maybe he got stung by a bee. Maybe he was showering with his dad mm. and he fell and hit his Someone eye could've... on his toe. Uh, uh, bar of soap. Yeah. <laughs> Someone could have taken a dump in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that looks, I think that just gives you pink eye. Well, ask Jordan. Oh, he had pink <laughs> he eye He did once. have pink eye. There was no stopping Special Agent Curtis when he had a stick up his ass mm. about someone. So Lawrence surrendered himself for examination by the feds. The arrest made national headlines. The New York Herald accused Charlie of being the mastermind behind an inside the custom house smuggling room. <laughs> Lawrence and his band of fellow inspectors aimed only to seize contraband and collect their paltry percentages, not to actually convict any smugglers. The article went on to claim, Almost from the day of his appointment, a brisk, a brisk trade sprang up among, amongst a certain class of Jews who made a profession of defrauding the government <laughs> of the revenues due on importations of silk, lace, velvet, ribbons, and other costly <laughs> fabrics. <laughs> I feel like this guy... Little anti-Semitic. Just oh, gonna throw yeah. that out there. The New York Herald is. It probably comes from old money too. Brutal. Is like, are Jewish people known for like nice cloths? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I've never heard that before. They're known for being jewelers, tailors, mm -hmm. bankers. <laughs> the Herald insisted that Charlie changed his name from Lazarus to Lawrence only to obtain a job at the port. Even a few years earlier, this may have prompted Charlie to challenge the reporter to a duel. <laughs> but instead, he wrote a letter prevailing to the editor's sense of justice to prevent his newspaper being used as a medium of private malice. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't want private beefs aired publicly through the newspaper. Yes. Okay, all right. Well, he, so you could literally... Just walk up to somebody who's talking shit about you and say, I want to duel you? Well, yeah, you could challenge anyone to a duel. <laughs> it was up to their honor to accept it or not, I suppose. And if they decline, they're like they're a, a yellow belly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Listen, I mean, the thing to do is walk up to someone who obviously doesn't have a gun for a duel and be like, I challenge you to a duel. Yeah. Do you have You're going to win 100% of the Do you of have to slap him in the face with a glove or yeah, can, you glove. Just, can you just challenge him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Charlie brought up that he had changed his name three years prior to being appointed Inspector of the Customs. He then used the Herald's flagrant anti-Semitism to his advantage. Our man. The slur shows the author's personal animus. The record of his Co-religionists 
in the custom house will compare favorably with that of any other sect. Basically a fancy boy way of saying, I dare you to compare all of the Jewish inspectors with all Christian inspectors and see whose records come up dirtier. Okay, well, he's probably got a good point here. Yeah, just don't be and just don't be Jew bashing all yeah. the time, yeah. New York Herald. <laughs> if that is your name. <laughs> Goddamn New York Harry. Steady income from the custom house strengthened Charlie's finances, but further tarnished his reputation. By eighteen seventy he lived on a rich boy block of West twenty third Street, near the theater district, in a home complete with servants. Hell yeah. Oh Jordan's ultimate goal. Charlie had befriended the city's most powerful politician, William M. Boss Tweed of Tammany Hall. We, I feel like we talked about him. We did. On Ponzi, so he's a bad, he's a bad bitch. And we talked about him in episode one of Lawrence when I was doing like the brief overview. No, we didn't. Wait, did we? Yes, we did. I feel, (laughs) I, I almost, I almost feel like his name got brought up in, um, the demolition guy. Why I just forgot his name again. Harry Orchard, the dynamite. Yeah, I, f- I think almost so. Almost feel yeah. like his name came up. So he must have been. He was the well boss. known. Hell yeah. yeah. He was the boss. He was like <laughs> ran the Democratic Party. So is he? Does he have? Is he required to be like really fat and drive a Cadillac? <laughs> or I think so. <laughs> okay. Listen, a man of his stature does not drive. He gets driven. Well, he has to ride in a Cadillac, probably. Pink yes. Cadillac. Every time I hear, like, boss something, I was like, think about his porkies. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The screaming pig horn. Yeah. <laughs> in January of 1871, Lawrence and safe manufacturer John M. Davidson gave Tweed $10,000 in elegant <laughs> paintings. <laughs> that one's a peacock. <laughs> <laughs> Davidson allegedly ran a private bar in the back of his warehouse serving the best vintages of wines to Tammany Hall members. In return, New York had awarded Davidson inside contracts worth over $400,000 for safes to furnish the county courthouse. You know you know what? Boston was just a different place than it is now. Just let him be. Boston? We're in New York right now. I thought Tammany Hall was located in Boston. No, Tammany Hall's not like a place. It's like a well, I know, collection. I, I thought the headquarters was in Boston. Oh, it might be. It might but, be. But. Okay. I get what you're saying. Well, I mean, they're not that far away. It's like an Elks Lodge. Yeah. I don't trust mm. them. What's the Catholic one? Uh, The Masons? No. <laughs> <laughs> they have a name. I can't uh, remember what the, the name is. The Knights of-, of Columbus. Yeah, Knights of Columbus. Yeah. I don't trust them either. Wait, the Knights of Columbus are Catholic? Yes. Hell yeah. You will get served the blood of Christ. They're the Templars, man. Yeah. A Republican paper joke that one painting should... Represent a crowd of millionaires gathered hat in hand in front of City Hall, gently commanding them to... Stand and deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what an 18, 1870s Republican sounds like. I That's know what it. they sound like now. That's what you just They did sound it. like a dying old man. But <laughs> I don't know. Stand and deliver. <laughs> Lawrence was now socializing in the highest ring of the Tammany boys. He returned to the broker business, splitting his time between a servant-filled New York home and a second servant-filled home in London. He continued registering patents. First, a padlock devised by an Ithaca clockmaker. And second, a special ink for use on blank checks. Okay, I wonder what 
I have no Why idea. You didn't I have no need idea. for that. Maybe so it doesn't blade through or something. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. You know. If you got a stack of checks. Yeah, or it's maybe. like, it can't be tampered with. Ooh. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's mil- made from, I don't know what. Piss. Goat fur. I don't know. Yeah. Goat, goat skin. <laughs> In New York, he campaigned unsuccessfully for a position as election inspector, but had to settle instead <laughs> with an appointment as a commissioner of deeds in a position as a notary public which put him in contact with merchants applying for passports. Can I, can, you, I can see how he's going to twist this. Oh, can yeah. you imagine the damage he could do as an, an election inspector? <laughs> Rigging everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, smuggling is now perfectly legal. <laughs> These 20 cases of brandy are now the mayor. <laughs> that's not brandy. That's actually cheap whiskey. Don't worry oh, about it. Oh. <laughs> As the passage of time thinned out his blood relatives, as it sadly does to Mm. us all, he developed a wide-ranging network of in-laws, allies, partners, and friends. He became one of New York's best-known socialites, spending money lavishly, and was generally (laughs) a popular man about town. I'm guessing he dressed nice. Oh, yes. The finest silks. Can you imagine if he had LinkedIn at this point? God damn. (laughs) Man, listen, I can't imagine. He'd be making way more than four bucks a day. (laughs) Can't imagine what this man's top hat looked like. Ooh, the toppest of hats. Mm. It was probably a paisley band around it. (laughs) I'm going to assume since he's trying to hide he is a Jewish man that he's not wearing a yarmulke. Probably not a yarmulke, no. No, Yeah, no, he's probably got like a gold cross necklace. Hell yeah. And I'm talking tasteful, not like uh, early 2000s rapper kind yeah. of chain. <laughs> or current baseball pitcher. <laughs> or Allen Iverson in uh, the new Eagles. The uh, all or nothing about the Eagles. They're like sitting next to Allen Iverson. And he's got like a gold chain that looks like something you'd use to like tie up an impound fence. <laughs> a fucking bar. Like it's so thick. Like a barge chain. Yeah, so I'm just like. <laughs> so that's why he got. Jewelry stolen from him. Go figure. Probably that yeah. looked like I don't know. That had to cost a lot. You know. <sighs> Eventually, little old Charlie was invited to join the Americus Club, <laughs> originating as Boss Tweed's Fire Brigade, Americus Engine Number Six. The club moved to Greenwich, Connecticut, for an initiation fee of one thousand dollars and monthly dues of two hundred and fifty dollars. Members receive access to three steam yachts and a $300,000 clubhouse containing a bar, barbershop, billiard room, and a grand dining hall 100 feet long. Damn, that's pretty sweet, actually. Now this is your Buffalo Lodge, the America's Club. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Multiple reports claim that Lawrence himself imported the club's English carpets, which were thick as (laughs) beefsteak, as well as the enameled solid gold tiger head badges worn by the members. Fuck, that is sweet. I can say from recent experience, carpet's very expensive. Is it? Oh, yes. you carpeted the upstairs, right? Yeah. Well, we got a nice rug, and it's just like even getting a cheapy <clears throat> rug is like 150 bucks. I know. If you want, yeah. like, if you're talking about a rug like this, this is like multiple thousands right. of dollars. Oh, yeah. As Charlie Rose in the Tammany Society, the nation geared up for the 1872 presidential election. President Grant's opponents thought removing him would be an easy task. Owing to the recent readmission of three Confederate states into the Union, Mississippi, Texas, and Virginia. Cowards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, sure. It's 1872. They had to move on. (laughs) 
The main issue plaguing all of America since the end of the war, and certainly the central issue this election would be decided by, was Reconstruction, Mm. specifically the equality of black people and the erection of state governments in the former Confederacy that would uphold this equality. Yeah, I can only imagine the task that that would be. Ugh. Some of them still don't do it today. I know. <laughs> well, the entire country Alabama does, University but... didn't do it till 1975 or something right. like that. So. Roll Tide. <laughs> Democrats and liberals in both major parties argued that the Custom House was the core of the Grant administration's corrupt misrule. Their newspapers began throwing around buzzwords like rings, gangs, mobs, and cliques based at the nation's ports. So... Ulysses S. Grant, is is he actually a corrupt president? I mean, all presidents uh, have to dabble in corruption. Okay. It's a big job, big I dirty mean, job. Have you seen the documentary Wild Wild West? Yes. I think I, he Robot looked, Spider? He looked pretty <laughs> non-corrupt to me in that. I think he was the president in that movie. I think so. So um, he looked okay. He's just completing the railroad. <laughs> it, it's just like it, some things, get, they get lost right Mm. in the shuffle so sometimes if you're a busy president the customs house may run rampant because you're worried about native american uprisings in the midwest or something well even during this time it's not like you could get a phone call right like you he would have no fucking idea what's going on over here over here over here you know it's a tough spot yeah as a president it's a tough spot Critiques of the custom houses, unfortunately, were oftentimes thinly veiled attacks on African-American participation in government. In article after article, black voters were described as nothing more than dupes controlled by customs rings that promised them employment. The Louisiana World claimed, Grant's custom house party achieved its goal through the efforts of ignorant Negroes. Man, that doesn't feel right to read that. Uh, That felt really bad to say. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. The ever-racist New York Herald alleged... Whoa! Can you say they're racist? I mean, we were talking about how anti-Semitic they were. (laughs) That's different. No, I'm just... Most African-American voters don't even know their names. They'd vote for whoever was paying their wage told them to. They'd vote for whoever was paying their wage had told them to, lacking any interest in the election at all, with the exception of a few silly-looking, disappointed darkies who hang around the corners. (laughs) I don't like saying that either, goddammit. I was wondering what it was going to register, what you were about to read. Uh, I I don't know whose was worse, mine or yours. (laughs) Um, See, okay, yours is more straight to the point. The Herald was used like a, a subtle approach they, to they it. They tried to there. veil it, but they uh, didn't use the N word, so I guess it's not quite yeah. as bad. Yeah, as, I, it's very bad. I kind of want to censor what I read. <laughs> it's not happening. No, nope. oh, you can tell your dad about it in the shower. That's right. <laughs> He'll wash your sins away. <laughs> Actual non-racially motivated critiques of the Custom House also surfaced such as abolishing the payment of the paltry percentages being given out to government officials for exposing smuggling, which made finding smugglers as lucrative as the crime itself. Not a smart idea. Many citizens were appalled to learn the annual earnings of treasury agents and were disgusted by the greed of it all. 
By turning agents into entrepreneurs, the Treasury attracted grimy fellows who were more concerned with getting their bonuses than actually prosecuting smugglers. <sighs> I kind of feel like this still happens today. Yes. <laughs> now was the time, if there ever was one, for the Democratic Party to officially distance themselves from Boss Tweed and his Tammany Hall. Their opportunity came in 1870, when the New York Times uncovered evidence that contractors building the new county courthouse paid kickbacks to Democratic officials. Mm. A beautiful, solid granite neoclassical structure complete with Corinthian columns and a breathtaking rotunda, the beautiful courthouse cost $13 million, a large percentage of which was funneled directly back into Tammany Upper Crust pockets. God damn. I wonder, is that, I wonder if that's still standing. Ooh, I don't know. I bet it is. I, yeah. If you spend that much on it, I bet it's still standing. Grant and the rest of the Republicans greedily swallowed up Tammany Democrats that were fleeing from the ever-deepening scandal and using their insider knowledge stitched up the White House for a second term. During 1872 to 1873, things got rough for the Tammany boys. Reformers in the Democratic Party were on the hunt, and nearly two years after the ring was exposed, liberals were very confused as to why Boss Tweed and his inner circle continued to walk free. I mean... Makes sense. In response to this pressure, Charlie decided to become a lawyer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not, not as impressive <sighs> as it sounds. In those days, you didn't have to go to law school. There was an option to read for the bar where you could obtain <laughs> a license through the sponsorship of a well-respected senior attorney who could vouch for your knowledge. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> All right, you're a fucking lawyer. I feel like this is where the uh, the meme of this southern lawyer comes into play. <laughs> I say, I say, yeah. I say. <laughs> oh, I read the ball. I know my law. Yep. I know the law. <laughs> I read for the bar, Your Honor. <laughs> this is a case of chicken feed amongst goat milk. <laughs> hey, to be fair, if you watch Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. He He's became a, a lawyer by and a doctor by just tampering papers. On so. the job, baby. On yeah. the job training. <laughs> Charlie's sponsor was a man named Philip Phillips, mm. respected Alabama congressman turned attorney. Also, I just wanted to say his name. <laughs> also uh, had a like big hit song. Phil Phillips? Four years ago. Yeah, Philip Phillips. You know the one? Uh, you were going to make this house your <laughs> home. With the acoustic guitar oh, and shit. Oh, the Lowe's commercial one. Yes. <laughs> That's Philip Phillips. Hell yeah, yes. Philip Phillips. Yes. Fuck my ears. I'll never <laughs> want to hear that again. <laughs> Fuck you, Philip Phillips. I hope you're a fan, and now I hope you're not. During Tweed's second criminal trial, Charlie became the boss's closest friend. Rumors circulated that Tweed had given Charlie $100,000 to bribe the jury. If so, it didn't work. Because on November 19th, 1873, the jury returned with a verdict of guilty. Charlie looked at the judge, hoping to see some glimmer of sympathy. But what looked back at him was... The face of a rock set against the storm. <laughs> Mysterious personal ads started popping up in the New York Herald. Ooh. One offered to sell a... Remarkably handsome, intelligent, well-trained white spitz dog. Another oh. solicited mortgages for inclusion in a trust fund. And a third offered... Pleasant and cheerful rooms to let with board. For gentlemen and wife, all single gentlemen, speaking English, French, and Spanish. All of these ads were placed by a man calling himself Charles L. Lawrence, but spelled wrong. See, it's spelled L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E. Okay, yeah. 
and they made Charlie's life look like an on-the-go cosmopolitan Manhattanite. <laughs> but perhaps he wasn't looking to sell a dog, or start a trust fund, or rent out rooms to multilingual people. Maybe the misspellings were on purpose. Maybe this was code to relay information to Charlie's far-flung smuggling ring. Because by 1873, Lawrence was no longer merely a downtown merchant, impresario, inventor, publisher, club owner, or Tweed's personal best friend. He was the leader of America's most extensive smuggling ring. Okay. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, that's where we're going to pick it up in part three. Hell yeah. Of Charles oh, Lawrence, the prince Did, of smuggling. Okay, so do you... I'm assuming you're going to talk about that possibly in part three or whatever, but is it confirmed that these were codes or is it speculated? Yeah, that it's confirmed. I was tickling your balls. I was okay. writing fancy stuff, you know what so, I mean? Is this like the first time he's done it, or you think he's been doing it for a long time? Once Tweed goes to jail is when he really is when he really pops off and okay. starts starts smuggling all all across the board. But no, no, no. I mean, like the secret code in the newspaper. Yeah, that's once Tweed went to jail. Yeah, then he started. Okay, yep. I got you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you know what? I mean, to get Tweed off, you got to be a little bit better than reading the bar. I, I think so. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, he, yeah, Tweed never let him be his attorney. <laughs> He's just his friend and confidant. Well, I was going to say the bribe to pay off the jury. Smart. He's, uh, knowing a man of Charlie, he's not gonna, he's gonna keep that money for yeah, himself. Yeah, he might have put that in his pocket. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Listen, bros, money before bros, maybe. <laughs> Let's bring back, uh, bribing the jury. That's what I need. Sure. Or clipping them. <laughs> yes. You gotta kill them <laughs> yeah. or bribe No, him. let's not kill them, but you can bribe them. <laughs> Bribing is perfectly fine. It's perfectly legal. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. All right, well, fuck it, dude. That's uh, that's Lawrence too, the Hell dark yeah. middle chapter, Woo! boys. Very good job. Next time we're gonna get into the uh, the meat and potatoes. You know, he's oh, gonna be running can't shit. Wait. Hell yeah! And the flight, the the runaway, the, the two horse carriage through Alaska <laughs> and all that shit. That's what I wanted to hear. That's all yes. I kept thinking about. We're getting is, there. Uh, we're getting there, boys. All right, <sighs> perfect. Good job. Thanks for listening, and thank you, everyone, also for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at bumblebuttpodcast.gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod and Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. Also, we got us a Patreon. Hell yeah. yeah. And that is bumblebutt. That is patreon.com slash bumblebuttpodcast. Subscribe. Go do it. Uh, just got February's uh, uh, prints in the mail today. So. Well, Ooh, excellent. They, they'll be out probably this week. Oh, that's perfect. Hell yeah. Have you, uh, has, have people been sending you pictures of uh, <laughs> Adam's Game Corner? They have. Perfect. They have. Good. So they've gotten all everywhere uh, they need to be. Someone in particular showed me their they've framed all of the prints, have them all on a shelf. And I said, We we should probably do that in this studio yeah. here. Yes. Figure yes. out a way to right. do that somehow. Yeah. No, we just have loose ones kinda <laughs> hanging <Yeah>. around. <laughs> ones in my mouse pad. <laughs> See, we'll we'll figure out a way. Maybe we'll hang them like on the wall here or something. I think that's we definitely we need to do that. That's so great because yeah. it's it like sweet. That's uh that's exactly what I wanted people to do mm. with this collector's mm -hmm. card idea <laughs> is to do something like that. <laughs> we don't deserve it, but no, uh, we don't. I appreciate no, not it. Not at all. Uh, so go do that. Sign up. Uh, become a become become wrath. Hell yeah! Also, 
<laughs> Wrath of the Grapes? What is this? The Dust Storm movie? Wrath of the Grapes? The Grapes of Wrath. The Grapes of Wrath. Okay. <laughs> Wrath of the Grapes. That's a good horror movie. I Holy want you to watch. shit. All right. Uh, You're not turning us into wine. We stop you. <laughs> now it's time for the most important part of the show, at least if you ask Cody, the iTunes reviews. Ah, uh, it looks like Jordan's threats are paying off because we got one more Good. written review. We got a writ. Hell yeah. You're going to have to keep threatening him, though. I'm, oh, don't worry. can't slow down on the threatens. Um, this is from Tamara Tilt the Break of Dawn. Till the Break of Dawn, sorry. Tamara Till the Break of Dawn. Tamara Till the Break of Dawn. <laughs> you know that song? Tomorrow I'll be gone. Oh, yeah. Zing I love that song. Tonight. Yeah. Says, Tomorrow never comes. <laughs> Is that Sugar Ray? No. No. I don't know. They had like one song. I don't that know one? who that is. Maybe. Anyway, on to the person okay. that's safe from my friend. Okay, who is this? Tamira Till Tamira the Break of Dawn. Says, nice work, five stars. The show was random in a good way, yeah. yet they kept me engaged and yeah. made me laugh. Looking yeah. forward to listening to more episodes. Yeah. Exclamation points. Yes. So thank Hell you yeah. very much. Thank Tamira, you. you're a queen of my life. <laughs> you're queen of the break of dawn. That's right. That's what it is. So that's, uh, that's what we had. And we yes. had a non-written. But, uh, yeah, it disappeared. Oh, yes. So... It got smuggled out of the country. My rage and threats have been quelled for a day. One they day. They come back tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Stronger than ever. The fire burns again. I know you're out there. That's right. I know you have access to a computer or a phone. That's right. It you takes seconds. It. Yeah. You little slag. That's it. All right, kids. Well, that's going to do it for all of us here at Bumblebutt Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Adam. That's, of course, been Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Adam. And that's been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. Stay tuned for... Charles Lawrence Part 3. Hell yeah. And have a nice weekend. Unless it's Tuesday. Oh, Laker girl. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs>